0: Hi, this is John and Valerie Domingo, and And you're you're listening listening to to Word Word of Hope Christian Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, folks, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and I am thrilled to be with you today. Thanks for taking time to join me. It is Sunday, March 20th. I'm super excited to share this message with you today, but as always, would you join me in an opening word of prayer? Heavenly Father, praise be to your holy name. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Lord, I just pray that you'll teach us and help us to grow in our relationship with you, in our relationship with one another, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. A young boy was part of a group of young people from his church who, as a service ministry, took the Lord's Supper to homebound or hospitalized members of the church. He and his friends visited one elderly gentleman in particular who was in the hospital, nothing serious, just a minor illness. And these young people were disappointed to find that the gentleman was fast asleep. Nothing they did seemed to be able to stir him from his sleep. Well they were very disappointed, they hated to leave without performing their duty. So one of the 11-year-olds pointed out that the gentleman's mouth was open. The young boys looked at each other and said, well, why not? Then they broke off a tiny piece of wafer and placed it in the elderly gentleman's mouth and poured in a tiny sip of grape juice. And sure enough, the man swallowed. He never woke up. Neither do many people today. One communion Sunday... The communion steward prepared the communion with a twist. When it came time to uncover the elements, the grape juice looked a little darker than usual. The pastor thought nothing of it and began to serve the communion. Promptly, upon receiving the communion, each recipient's face had a peculiar stunned look on it. When it came time for the pastor to receive, he discovered why the strange looks. The juice was prune juice. One parishioner stated, Perhaps this is a divine commentary on our spirituality. We need a little loosening up. (laughs) Perhaps we all do sometimes. Welcome to our sermon series titled, What We Believe. And today is our eighth core value, the Lord's Supper. And this is how the core value reads. One of the primary reasons we gather each week as a church is to share in the Lord's Supper, Acts 2.42. Communion represents Jesus' atoning blood that was poured and his body that was broken on our behalf for salvation we take it in remembrance of him. Matthew 26, 26-29, 1 Corinthians 10, 16-17, and, and 1 Corinthians 11, 24-29. One thing common throughout the world and throughout the ages is that in spite of all our differences, Christians have always observed what we call the Lord's Supper. Some call it by a different name, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Some observe it more frequently than others, some churches have it every Sunday, just like us. And still others have the Lord's Supper once a month, once a quarter, once a year. Some churches even have it daily. But we all observe it because Jesus told us to. Luke 22, 19 reads, He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. Let's take a brief look at the significance of this ceremony and what it means today. First, let's talk about the names. We call this ritual the Lord's Supper. It's the term Paul used in 1 Corinthians, but it's also commonly called by the name Eucharist and Communion. Let's take a look more closely at those names. First, the Eucharist. The word means thanksgiving. It's from Matthew 26, 26, which reads, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. The Greek word for gave thanks is eucharisteo. In calling it the Eucharist, we're reminded that this is a meal of thanksgiving to God. It's a time when we can say thank you, God, for all that you've done for me. There are so many things that we can be thankful for. The most important thing is that God sent his son into the world to die on the cross for our sins, even though we didn't deserve it. When we take the Lord's Supper with an attitude of thanksgiving, it helps us to remember that our thanksgiving is a gift, not a paycheck. So as we take the Lord's Supper today, remember to take it with an attitude of thanksgiving. The second name is communion or holy communion. One of the ancient church fathers, John Damascene, wrote that we call this ceremony communion for two reasons. He said, number one, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are entering into a communion with Christ. We don't teach that there is anything magical or mystical about the bread and the wine. They're purely symbolic. But this is what they symbolize, the communion we have with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is through his sacrificial death on the cross that the barrier between God and humanity was broken, and now, through Jesus, we have a personal relationship with the living God. This is what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 2.13 when he wrote, But now you've been united with Christ Jesus, once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. The Lord's Supper symbolizes the communion we have with Christ. Damascene also said, It symbolizes the communion we have with one another. Partaking of the Lord's Supper reminds us that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all equally in need of God's grace. Those who have been saved and sanctified for 50 years are on the same level as those who just got saved. We share a common guilt of sin and a common need for forgiveness. When we partake of the Lord's Supper together, we are communing with one another as brothers and sisters, as equals. Now, folks don't get confused by the different names they all make sense today as you take the bread and the cup take it with an attitude of thanksgiving for the mercy that god has shown you and also as you take the bread and cup let it be a time of communion between you and god and between you and your fellow believers now that we've addressed the names next let's talk about the symbolism of the lord's supper as i said a minute ago The bread and the wine are symbolic of the sacrificial death of Christ. Matthew writes in Matthew 26, verses 26 through 28, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's talk about the bread and wine for a moment. First, the bread. When Jesus and his disciples had the Last Supper together, they were actually celebrating the Passover meal. This is what the Lord's Supper is founded on, and Jesus incorporated some of the symbols from this Jewish ceremony into the Last Supper. At one point in the Passover meal, the leader breaks a loaf of unleavened bread and says, this is the bread of affliction which our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Jesus gave that symbolism new meaning when he said, this is my body. He wasn't speaking literally. The bread symbolizes his body that is about to be broken. It symbolizes his life that's about to be taken. He's referring to the crucifixion. He's referring to his death. In order for us to be saved, it was necessary for the Son of God to die. When we partake of the bread, we're reminding ourselves of the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. He died for us, He died for our sins. Through his death, he paid the price for our sins because we could not pay it for ourselves. So when you partake of the bread today, remember what it symbolizes, the fact that Jesus' body was broken for you. He died on the cross for your sin. Next, let's talk about the wine. The wine symbolizes the blood of Christ. In the Old Testament, we see again and again that blood is required for reconciliation to God. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Many modern people struggle with this concept. Some even call it a slaughterhouse religion. Now, I'm not going to try to defend the Old Testament sacrificial system. I'm just going to say this. Jesus himself said that through the shedding of his blood, in other words, through his death, we are forgiven. Romans 5.9 says we're justified through his blood. Ephesians 1.7 says we have redemption through his blood. Colossians 1.20 says we have peace with God through his blood. And 1 John 1.7 says that the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Amen to all of that. As the old hymn says, there's power in the blood. This is a reminder that salvation is not free. It cost Jesus his life. Because of this, our walk with God is not something to take casually. Jesus is serious about our relationship with him. And he was willing to die in order that we might be saved. He was willing to shed his blood in order that our sins might be washed away. And let me tell you the great thing about having our sins washed away. It's not just that we get to go to heaven when we die. It's also that we get to live in this life free from the power of sin. Through his blood and through his death, Jesus broke the power of sin and you can be free from it. Isn't that great news? Do you struggle with lustful thoughts? Friend, you can be set free because Jesus paid the price for that freedom with his blood. There is power in his blood. Do you struggle with controlling your temper? You can be set free because Jesus paid the price for it. Do you struggle with lying, gossip, bitterness, envy, anger, or jealousy? You can be set free from all those things because Jesus paid the price for your freedom with his blood, and there is power in that blood. Today, when you partake of the cup, take a moment and say to God, thank you for shedding your blood for me. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, the blood that will never lose its power, the blood that removes the penalty and the power and the presence of sin from my life. Thank you, God, for setting me free. Some of you may say, I can't say those words because I'm not free. Sin has a hold of me and won't let go. Friend, today you can be set free, not by your own power though, but by the power of the blood of Jesus. It will wash away your guilt and it will break the stronghold that sin has in your life. When you partake of the cup today, surrender all that you have to God and say, Lord, I want the power of the shed blood of Jesus to be at work in my life. Forgive me and give me the strength to live a holy life. This bread and this cup symbolize a supernatural power greater than we have the capability or capacity to understand. The body and blood of Jesus broken for you, shed for you, so that you may live a victorious life. Friend, receive it. And lastly today, let's talk about the purpose of the Lord's Supper. Why do we do this? There are two key reasons. The first is for us to take a look backward. We do this to celebrate his redemptive power, as I've been discussing. We celebrate with thanksgiving. We celebrate the communion we have with him. We celebrate the forgiveness and power that's available to us through his death. The second reason for the Lord's Supper is for us to take a look forward. We anticipate his return to earth to establish his kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 29, I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus reminds his disciples that this world is not all there is. Someday he'll return and establish his kingdom, and we will live throughout eternity in his presence. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we not only look back to his sacrificial death on the cross, we look forward to the establishment of of his heavenly kingdom. Today, as you partake of the bread and cup, look back at what God has done for you, and then look forward to what God has planned for you. One final note, Paul warns against taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. He writes in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 27 through 29. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. You know, I've known some people who have felt so guilty about their sin that they refuse to take communion because they feel so unworthy. I know that feeling. Even as a believer, nothing recent, but in years past, long time ago, there were a handful of times in my life when I wouldn't take communion because I just couldn't get past the fact that I felt so guilty about sin in my life. And so there's people that won't do that. Maybe you've seen that. And they say they're unworthy. Well, of course they're unworthy. We're all unworthy, beloved. If you think that you're good enough to take communion, then friend, you've got a problem. Taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner refers to going through the motions without giving serious thought to what this means. But if you're serious about it, as you prepare to take communion, you'll turn your heart to Jesus and ask him to cleanse you of your sin and remove anything that stands between you and God. Ask him to purify your heart. If you feel guilty about something you've done, then ask his forgiveness and come to the Lord's table. Remember why this is called the Eucharist because we come with thanksgiving. Remember why it's called Holy Communion, because it symbolizes the communion we have with God our Father. Remember why we use the bread and wine, because they symbolize the broken body and shed blood of Christ that paid for our forgiveness and freedom from sin. And remember not only to look back at what God has done for you, but look ahead to what he has planned for you. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.